<laughs> We're just being silly. Hello. <laughs> Morning. I've been speaking. You haven't. You've been on guitar, so, so yeah. You say good good morning. morning, everybody. Mel said we might not have a, a coin for those to to accumulate or equivalent to the two mites because there's one eighth of a cent. What? Is it one eighth yeah, of one a cent? Eighth. I said the rand is pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, whoever's counting offering, please wear gloves. We might have like metal shavings. <laughs> People cutting off their coins there. Praise the Lord. But it doesn't matter because the rand is not our provider. Amen? That's it. God is. It. God is. Do you know that the word economy is actually the study of lack? Did you guys know that? That's, that's actually terrible. what it is. It's the study of lack. That's how, they, that's how economics is built. It's built on the study of lack. So econo economics should not affect us. Yeah. We have no lack. Amen. In Christ, we have all that we need. That's it. Turn to the person next to you and say, isn't that lacquer? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. There's no lack in lacquer. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Did you guys have a good time in worship this morning? Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Okay. All right. We'll take that action. Yeehaw. Come on. Give Ash another round of applause. He did well. Yeah. That song's a vibe, though. Do you guys like that song? Lead on, good shepherd. Yeah, it's a vibe. Cool. <laughs> yeah, no, Grant, Grant gets really into it with that acoustic. But we are back for, what part are we on? Three. Part three, fighting the good fight of faith. Who's been here for part one and two? Let me see that side. Yes, 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 yes. James, thank you. You were the only one there, so I had to ask you. <laughs> Yeah, but we've been, um, we've been discussing some very interesting things, looking into uh, the Word a bit more and, uh, you know, actually understanding what this good fight of faith is about. And uh, anyone uh, been practicing the last two weeks, relying on Jesus, right, and uh, receiving, receiving His grace, amen? Not worrying about being weak or all these things because these are things we can't ignore, we can't avoid, right? We live in a fallen world, a world ruled by death, right? of Adamson and um, and obviously the powers that be but <laughs> but we know now that we have been given access to his grace through what faith in Jesus amen and uh, we've been touching on how we've been justified by faith and all those things we're not going to do too much of a recap but um, we got a bit to go into to this morning but we're going to kick it off today with uh, Romans chapter 1 yeah verse 16 Daron, donkey 16 and 17, you guys know this one well? Yes. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Amen. You know, um, we all understand that the love of God is selfless, right? You guys know agape, right? You know, the, agape is used when it speaks about the love of God and how it is solely focused on the benefit of the one it's acting towards, right? That's, a, that's loosely how you define agape love. You know, and you ever, have you guys ever thought, you know, like, how is God able to be so selfless? Have you thought about it? Anyone? Any takers? How is he able to be selfless? Because sometimes you and I, you know, when, when, um, uh, uh, when we need to be selfless, we're like, Ugh, okay, I can fit it in a bit later, you know, sort of thing. But God delights in giving us every single thing, you know. He needs nothing. He's the all-sufficient God, you know. And the truth is because he lacks nothing. There's no part in him that is incomplete. Amen. You guys ever been on a journey with learning something or trying to get good at something and then the minute you get good at it, you're like, nah, you know, or it's just me, okay. I do that sometimes. Um, and um, you kind of get to that point where you realize, oh, okay, I don't really need to do that anymore, you know, I'm, I'm full, you know, I'm, I've had my, my satisfaction, you know. But imagine God is complete in every sense of the word. So complete that when he acts, he acts from his completeness. 
Are you with me? He acts from his perfection, his wholeness, his righteousness. Now you and I being sons and daughters of God, the Bible says that we have been given the same righteousness through the gospel of Jesus. Amen? Now that is something that's really, really, really exciting because traditionally, what are we so used to doing? Going out there and, you know, get fulfillments, get contentment, get satisfaction, get all these things. But here Jesus is saying, I'm giving it to you freely by faith. Amen? Now, when we think about being content, being whole, being all these things, if we never have to act for ourselves, we understand, or at least we begin to understand, how God is selfless. How he is able to always have his affection set on us. Amen? Anyone here ever wish that they had more time for people? Okay, I got a few yeses. Other people are like, geez, I just wish I had less time with people. Like, seriously. <laughs> I, think, I think one key, yeah. one key part of that is, is that I think where a lot of people's, you know, their bridge to believing or their faith, where it breaks and crumbles and falls is that they can't actually believe that God is good and always good and only good. It's a big problem for us because what we do is, I think it's not William Tinsdale, um, I think it was Blade Pascal, he said this, he said that God made man in his likeness and image, but man did the same thing, did God a favor by doing it himself. He made God, oh, I got that wrong, yeah. but he made God in his own image. Yes, yeah. Amen? And that's what we do. So we, it's so easy for us to, to, to uh, um, relate to God through the filters of our own heart you know? And for us to realize that he is the self-existing one, he never needed anything to exist. Yeah. Are you with me? And on top of that, we need to believe that the self-existing one's nature is what he says it is. That's right. We have to believe that his nature is, I'm constantly giving. You see, we have to believe God is like that. We have to believe in the, in the scriptures that say he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the rock of ages. He never changes. We have to. Because of the fact that we are so intermittent, we are so flawed, and because our faith sometimes goes like this, because we are attached to our emotions more than the word. Amen? Yeah. We have to dig deep and plant those seeds deep down in our hearts of who he is, what his nature truly is. His nature is exactly that. He is constantly giving. He's not, he doesn't feel like giving today because he woke up on the wrong, right side of the bed. Are you, are you with me? <laughs> he gives all the time because he has no lack. He has no lack because he is good. That's it. Amen? 100%. He is good. And you've got to attach your heart to that. That is where it all starts. Faith starts in Him. That's it. Today we get taught so much in church that you must have faith in your faith. Mm. Believe in your belief. Big problem, man. Yeah. Because your belief can be just one degree off the goodness of God and slightly towards yourself. Then you've got a problem. Are you with me? It has to be all in Him. Amen. And his nature. Amen. And let, let's look at this fullness, right? Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Hebrews 1 and Colossians 1 are probably like my two favorite passages about Jesus. You know, Paul's got such an amazing way with words. So Colossians 1, 15, we're going to go to 23. Okay, Del? All right. So the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Mm. It's like liquid sunshine that he's just speaking. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now this is Paul just giving his understanding of Jesus here, right? His revelation of Jesus. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Amen? Now check this. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood, shed on the cross 
Amen? 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior or your evil works, right? Here he's explaining. He gives an introduction of Jesus, and he says, this is who he is. So if we've got a problem with him, it's not his fault. It's the perception of him that we've created. God is only good, amen? 22, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, in your what? In your faith, established and firmed, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Where's the hope? The gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that was proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Amen? So we can see here, Paul is explaining, this is who perfect God is, right? Through our own actions and, okay, as a side effect of Adam, you know, we can't leave Adam out the equation, okay? Uh, Andrew Womack actually put up a really cool video this week. You know how we always teach on righteousness that yeah. it's not your sin that makes you a sinner, it's Adam, you know, geez, I was getting like crazy reactions when I shared it. People were like, what are you talking about? I'm like, this is the gospel, man. It's not your fault. It's Adam's fault, you know. And, um, and now you can see he's, he explains that, but now he says you are justified through faith. Amen. Through faith in the gospel of Jesus, you are now holy, spotless, blameless. Amen. That same righteousness that I was talking about. Now we need to understand why is it faith, Right. Why did God make it by faith? Did anyone ask that question anytime? Yeah, yeah why faith, Lord? It'd be so much easier if, if I just had something to do. You, you know what I'm saying? It would be so much easier. And you know, faith, the way it's explained in the, in the, uh, in the Greek, you know, we've had many discussions about this, and we thought, why the word faith? Because loosely translated, it's trust, right? But you know, the word faith was reserved purely for trust in Christ. Do you know that? It's not just normal trust like between comrades or whatever. No, faith is the word reserved for trust in Christ, right? P-I-S-T-I-S, pistis, I think. It's like a weird star sign. <laughs> but when you go look at it and what, and what it is in the word, it is, it is the end point, right? The end conviction of practicing trust. Are you with me? The more you practice the trust, the more you're building evidence to be convicted that he is who he says he is. Amen? Let's go to Hebrews 11, verse 1. And Mel, you, I mean, you read this this morning as well, so this was on point. And we're going to take a look as to why it's faith, because, you know, a lot of people struggle to put their hands on this practically. And I just wanted to break it down this morning. Now, if you ask people, hey, what is faith? As Christians, what do we do? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the confidence or evidence in what we hope for, the assurance of what we do not see. Keep going. This is what the ancients were co uh, commended for. I nearly said condemned. <laughs> commended for. All right. Who are the ancients? Now, if you go read the whole of Hebrews 11, we call it the, the faith hall of fame. You know, these names that are written for eternity about how they had their part in ensuring that the Messiah was going to arrive to save all humanity, right? This is what they were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what? So that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did, right? By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God, right? And without faith, it is impossible to please God, right? Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, right? 
Now, there's something very interesting at play here. We're talking a lot about faith, but like you mentioned earlier, in our traditional understanding of faith, we're always in the middle of it. Are you guys with me? But the truth is, God is, it, is the one who is in the middle of our faith. Amen? The Bible tells us that Christ is the author and finisher or perfecter of our faith. Amen? Now, let's ask the question. That's why I asked earlier. Why faith? Okay? Do you know that from the beginning, all right, Genesis chapter 3, we know what happened, right? The guys, they ate the apple. I don't think it's an apple. Can we make it a popo? Let's make it a fruit I don't like. It's a popo, okay? Let's make it a Brussels sprout. Because <laughs> that thing's evil. <laughs> Amen, pastor. Amen. But from the beginning, right, faith was uh, uh, active. It was at work. It was, they were exercising it. All right, and we read in Genesis 3, we know they ate the Brussels sprout, okay? They ate it, and I'm pretty sure that that foul reaction that they had, sin falling, was the reaction to the Brussels sprout, right? You know the one time I got given a Brussels sprout at a friend's house, we're having dinner, right? But, and I'm like, oh, it's a baby lettuce, this is awesome. Yes, and I, I, I chomped that thing. But it was just steamed. No salt, no pepper, nothing. I was like... I didn't, I didn't pray that much those days. but stuff's so bad, it has to be good for you, body. <laughs> yeah, uh, it probably it is. <laughs> but, but, but something happened after God had explained. You know what took place? And he explained to the serpent and to Eve and to Adam. You know, he told Adam, cursed is the ground. You know, all these things. And, and in Genesis chapter 3, it says there that God made for them garments of skin. Okay? Because now they were naked, right? He made for them garments of skin. Now, I don't know about you, but any animal who lost its skin for clothing is not alive afterwards. Agree? Okay, if you wear something woolly, right, the sheep is still okay because it's the sheep's wool. But if you have to wear something leather, the cow or the whatever else it comes from, that thing's not walking around without a skin. It's dead. You guys agree? Okay, so what happened in the beginning when God created uh, um, the, the, the garments from skin for them, right, what happened is, is that he showed them, okay, I'm doing this thing now. This thing has taken your punishment. That was the establishment of the shedding of blood being for forgiveness of sins. Are you guys with me? And they put on the garments and everything, and, and that was fine. But where was faith at work, right? Faith was at work because they had to trust God that if he said this, what he was doing now was enough, they had to trust it. They had to have confidence that, okay, he said it, this is the standard. Are you guys with me? And as believers, that's how we need to understand faith. Are you with me? It's not about my integrity of faith, my ability to have consistency of faith and all these things. What it's about is that the standard that God put in place, I must believe that it is enough. Are you guys with me? Is Christ enough? But Pastor, bricks. But Pastor, COVID, which is coming back, by the way. I hope no one here is even having the slightest tremble. Y'all better just be sitting still. If everyone comes in here and tells you anything, you tell them, God bless you, be on your merry way. Okay. But anyway, the point I'm making is that we need to trust that Christ is enough. Now, we look into the Old Testament. If you go into the ceremonial laws, you guys know the sacrifices, the offerings. If you've read it, it's there. It's all there, right? Do you know that they were still exercising faith? Because God had prescribed what needed to be done, right? And when they had completed it, do you know what they did? They had confidence. Because he said, this is what we must do. This is enough. What happened to Joshua at Jericho? He got specific instructions what to do to make those walls come down. Do you think that when he was going around, dum -dum, I think in seven days they walked around and then they blew the trumpets, whatever. Do you think they blew it knowing like, oh, I wonder if it's going to work. Nothing's happening, whatever. No, what did he do? He went confidently because why? The perfect, good all-sufficient, all-powerful, one true God 
said, this is what's required. Are you guys with me? He said, this is what's required. Now, faith was not in the act. Faith was not about doing the act. It was about believing that the act was enough. Are you guys with me? That the act was sufficient. You're, no, yeah. no. Just saying, it's so important what Bash is getting into is because it's always been the word that saves your soul from the, time, from the beginning of That's time. That's it. Amen. So when they fell in the garden, the word was that you must bring forth the bull, right? Adam and, uh, sorry, uh, Cain and Abel. Yeah. And we saw that Abel did the word. God said that the only thing that can cleanse you and would suffice now would be the blood of a bull. And Abel brought it, Cain brought fruit and vegetables. Fruit salad. Fruit salad, you know? <laughs> Brussels sprout so, salad. Exactly. And so and what was God's answer to him? God's answer to, to Cain was, you know, I reject this offering because basically I'm paraphrasing is that you haven't done what I've told you to do. You've brought another way to, to save yourself. There's only one way, the way I say so. And we can do this study in, uh, um, when we're going to discipleship school in the next couple of months if you want, but it actually refers to, I don't know if you know, but it's referred to as the seven gospels in the Bible. So the, you must understand, every time for every dispensation, there was a word dispensed from God that would save your soul. See, because the Jews never had Jesus, but how did they get saved at that time? The gospel of the kingdom. They had to believe the gospel of the kingdom. Cain and Abel had to believe the gospel of the blood of the bull. That's Are you with me? In Noah's time, they never had Jesus, but what did they have? They had the word that was given to Noah, build an ark because there's a rain coming and everybody is going to get flooded. And to, in order to be saved in that dispensation, you had to believe what God had told Noah. That's it. Are, are you with me? Yeah. That was before Jesus. So we call it the seven different gospels, but at the end of the day, it has always been us believing the word of God. That's it. That's Amen. It. Amen. It's always about the word of God. 100%. And you know, we've been talking about how faith gives us access to God's grace. You know? Now, the, the lovely scripture, I think it's, it's 1 Peter 5, James, and Proverbs from Proverbs 3. God gives grace to the? But he resists the? Now, let's break that down for a second because when I read that, Years ago, you know, I thought to myself, you know, it's, it's difficult to think that like an all-loving God would resist someone. Mm. You know, in one breath we say, we say, um, you know, come as you are. You know, Jesus loves you. You know, all these things. And then the next breath there's a scripture that says, but God resists the proud. Yeah. Like, but what if someone comes proud? Is God resisting them? Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? Now, here's the thing. Remember, we're talking about now the standard of his word. Because him being the one true living God, he is defining what is the standard that we can trust. Are you guys with me, right? And the standard is this, is now when, when the word tells us that he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud, right? He's talking about who is willing to accept his standard. You with me? Because the standard that we carry, guys, do you know our standard is not good enough to receive God's grace. Listen to what I'm saying. Our standard is not good enough to receive God's grace. Do you know why? Because our standard is not perfect. Hello? You see, if we want to receive God's grace by any other standard besides what he has prescribed, right, we actually don't understand how amazing his grace is. We think his grace is like our grace. My grace is not lacquer. It's unamazing. What's the opposite of amazing? Frot. I've got frot grace. You right? But God's grace, his saving grace, that only comes according to his standard. And why did he make it only according to his standard? So that we who have faith can have the confidence that if this is the standard that he has given, then by this standard, his power will work. Are you guys with me, right? His power will work. Now, what is the standard that we've received over the years? Tithe, and the windows of heaven will be open to you. Wrong standard. Absolutely wrong. Not even in the Old Testament is that even the correct standard, right? Come to a push 24 hours, 
you're going to have breakthrough. Wrong standard. Your breakthrough is only going to be as good as your prayer, which is in fear anyway, so pothole, roadblock, speed bump, everything's staying there. Are you guys with me? Come and serve. Give your life away at church. Destroy your family. Destroy your businesses. Just come and give your life here. Wrong standard. Are you guys with me? That work is not good enough. Amen. So when God gives us these prescriptions, guys, people think, oh, God's word's too difficult. It's too difficult because you still want your poverty. You still want your lack and your death. He's giving us prescriptions so that we could have confidence to take hold of his life, to experience his grace, to experience his provision, his healing, his power. Are you guys with me? So when we hear his standard of things, we must have joy in our hearts. Because wait a minute, if this is who he is and that's what he's saying, then that means that if I believe that, I'm going to see what that gives me access to. Are you guys with me? So when God is, is, is resisting a proud person, right, he's actually saying that my grace can't flow there because this is my standard. Are you with me? That standard, a proud person does not have a standard that is good enough to receive the grace of God. And throughout the Bible, from the beginning, from the garden where God cut that animal and he made the, 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 the garments from skin, right? He did that for Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve could not affect the death that they had just entered into now. Are you guys with me? And it's been the pattern from the beginning that God is the one who comes and saves us. He's the redeemer, the provider, the, the healer, the protector. Are you guys with me? And every time across those dispensations, like you're saying, like, for example, the flood is coming. What did God do? He gave Noah the instructions to build ark. He gave Noah the engineering designs to build something. Noah's like, what, what is even a boat? I don't know if he had boats back in, I don't, I don't know. But whatever he was building, how did Noah know to make it, like, be able to float on the ocean? And you know all these kind of things, to withstand rain and all these things. That was God's provision. God gave him a standard, build it like this. And what did that do? That gave Noah a confidence to experience God's grace. And it happens at every single time in the Bible that God led the nation of Israel. Just come and do this. They did it, and they carried on. Let's talk about the, the sacrificial lamb every year that they bring it. When they go there and, and the, the priest slaughters it, they go away and they forget. Why, why, why did they forget? No, no, wait, hold on. If I just want to be at peace with God and he says he wants this, then shut That's cool. I can have confidence because the work has been done. Are you guys with me? Yeah. So you want to say something? No, I was just yeah. saying that um, it's so important that we understand that it's in his standard and not ours and it's in his word. Mm. Because look at the Hall of Famers that we're talking about in Hebrews 11. Mm. I mean, these people have been put in the hall of fame of faith, the faith hall of fame, and not one of those people are perfect. They, they are murderers. They are liars. They were people who were weak in their faith at times. There were people that ran away from God at times instead of running to. And that's why it needs to be by his word, not yours. Amen? And that's why we have to disconnect putting ourselves in the middle of it all the time, like Bash said earlier, it's got nothing to do with you. It's got to do with you believing in what he did, his word, his promise, his standard, amen, his sacrifice, his provision. Yeah. But just to believe, it's the hardest thing to do. <laughs> Am I right? Anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> well, it, it's the hardest thing to make easy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Yes. And, and if, when we're talking about belief, let's go to John chapter 6, right? Now, go and read this chapter. It's very, very interesting, yeah. okay, this chapter, because, you know, everything's going cool, and all of a sudden, Jesus just has these difficult statements where even in that chapter, the Bible says that some people came to him and said, teacher, this is, this is difficult to, to, to hear. We, we can't follow this, you know? And they turn and they walk away from him. They, they leave him. They've been following him. But because of what he's teaching, they leave, you know. 
And, uh, and he turns to the 12 and he says, what, do you also want to go? I'm like, geez, if Jesus told me that, I'm like, no, I'm here, bro. no. He wants to go, not me, you know, kind of thing. But, but you get that sense that he's drawing that absolute line that's making people uncomfortable because he's stripping that confidence. You know, he's stripping that absolute, like if there's any reliance that people had about anything that they could do to, to somehow have any interaction with God, you know, he's, he's stripping that thing completely because he's talking about his broken body and his blood, right? And he says to them, listen, unless you eat my body and you drink my blood. So, uh, look, I understand. If someone came up to me and said, here, drink my blood and give me a cup. I'm like, excuse me? You, you want what? Come, come again? What? I'd be very confused, right? But reading back now, we understand. So let's go to uh, John 6, 25. Because, you see, he's still giving us a work, Right? He's still giving us something we must do, but this is where we get our confidence. He says, uh, when they found him in, uh, on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. So already, you know, Jesus is a bit unsettled. He's like, y'all came looking for me, but when you were hungry, y'all weren't looking for me. Y'all ate lacquer, probably had a lacquer nap. And now you'll want me. What's going on, guys? 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of? Now listen, I remember I was telling you before, with all those instructions that were given in the Old Testament, that was God's approval. Do this thing and it's going to work, Right? Now, what Jesus is saying here, go, sorry, that last line, Jesus is saying here that God the Father has placed his seal of approval on him. Man, I wonder what God's seal of approval looks like. It's probably gold or something. I don't know. Anyway, next one. And check this. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Now, look, we've been running a church for a little while. We've heard this question year after year after year. But how do I just make God work in my life? How do I have this breakthrough? How do I, how do I, how do I? And we tell them what Jesus says next. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Now, another prescription, right? Is this not the key? to experiencing God's standard? Ah, but pastor, what about all the other stuff? What stuff? What's the other stuff? No, but we must pray, and we must read our Bibles, and we must do all these things, whatever. You must. But why are you doing it? You see, we have not been saved by works. We have been saved by faith, right? But what does our faith produce? Good works. Amen? Now, here's the thing. Unfortunately, religion and self-righteousness has made all our good works dead. I don't know about you guys, but dead works suck. Okay? The Bible is vehemently against dead works. It is one of the foundational repentances that you need to make as a newborn believer. Okay? And the way that you keep your good works alive the way you make sure that they're not dead is that you need to be doing them from this justification. I just want to pray for breakthrough. Are you not in Christ? You want to break out of him now? You know? Oh, I've got to study the Bible, pastor. I'm waiting for God to show me a revelation so that I can da-da-da-da and all this stuff and all these kind of things. This, this lack that we interact with God with. No. Study the Bible to show yourself how righteous you are in Christ. Study the Bible to rightly divide the truth. Study the Bible so that you can walk in your true identity. No, but we must pray. The big snake over Boxburg must be rebuked. I'm like, guys, someone told me that one day. There's a, there's a big snake somewhere over Boxburg. But it was over Rechapok. Oh, was it? Rechapok, yeah. But, but the thing is this now is that imagine someone comes to you and, as you were the believer and they come to you and say, please, will you pray for me? And you start your prayer off We say, Father, we hope you hear this prayer. What confidence do you have? Are you guys with me? 
When people come to us and they ask for prayer, we say, Father, we thank you for your blood. That we stand confidently before you now, righteous, saved, healed, delivered, set free, made prosperous. And right now, Holy Spirit, we open our hearts to you and we're going to listen to you right now. That's how a prayer can be a dead work or a good work. Are you guys with me? We have to stand in this confidence, ladies and gentlemen. You don't get to decide the standard. None of us do. Do you know why? Because our standard, like I've been saying, is not good enough. I can barely define the standard for anything in my life. One week, I'm like, okay, my tire pressure in my car is this. Then the next week, no, my tire pressure is this. Then the one week, I'm like, okay, I'm not eating sugar. Then the next week, okay, I'm giving up coffee. What the heck do I know about life? But here, I want to define systems to interact with the ancient of days, the eternal God. Hello. Man, I was in high school. I couldn't even stop the zits on my face. You see this here? Like this? I was trying a product every two weeks. Trish, I'm sorry. I know what that does to skin. It's fine. But every two weeks, you can ask my mom. I'm like, okay, go try this one. Then I come home. Now, you know when something's new, it, you know, every, every new broom sweeps clean, you know? But listen, they also, they also they, they have that ad where the guy just washes his face and it goes away. Well, it's, it's not your fault even for Even his not beard believing. came out. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> Some of those product, products kill my beard even. It's terrible. It's a curacol. What was it? <laughs> I don't want to go through the list. This is not a sponsored sermon by Face Products. <laughs> Do you guys understand what I'm saying? And this is what I was talking about last week about the paradox that we find ourselves in of weakness but receiving grace. Are you with me? Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you confidently this morning that you cannot accept any work, image, sacrifice, any philosophy or anything that is apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. You will fall short in your life. How do I break through? You have to believe. Amen? That's what, that's what your part, your deal is. Your deal is believing. What is believe? How do we get to the place of believing? How do we work this thing? We stay faithful to the message. Let's go to Colossians 1 verse 5 and 6. Let's see what the message does. Look, you see, it's so good. God has given us everything, brother. And that is the question. What does it look like, you know? That's the question, yeah. So what is belief? How do we get to that place of belief? Well, God has got it all stored up for us. It's called, it's called sozo in the mind, sotero. So, so the, the mind, the will, and the emotions, the soul gets saved by the message, the message of what? That God is good and God saves, not you. Amen? That God is great and God is your provider, not you. So your soul gets literally saved by the message. Something takes place, the satiro life comes into the mind, will, and emotions, and it causes the soul to harmonize with the truth and walk in belief. Are you with me? And listen to what it says here. It says, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit. It's not the Christian that bears fruit. It's the Christian's belief in the message that bears the fruit. That's right. The message is the saving power of your soul. You want to get to a place where you're walking in that confidence and in that power? Stay true to the message. You see, wherever the mind goes, the man goes. Amen? Whether you like it or not. Mm. So your spirit, you have a heart, you have a soul, and you have a spirit, man, in your heart. They both make up the heart. The, the spirit has been regenerated. It's a new creation. It's perfect. It's flawless. It's absolutely stamped and sealed by the spirit of God himself. It can't get any better than it is. Mm. Amen? But the soul is the thing that fluctuates in and out and in and out. And it goes there and it goes yeah, and it goes there. So in order for you to actualize the promises in your life, to experience the promises in your life, you need consistency in the soul. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? You need consistency in the thoughts. You need consistency in the, in, in the feelings and in the decision-making. Amen? Yeah. You must remember the Bible says if you walk by the Spirit, you won't fulfill the things of the flesh, right? 100%. And you will bear the fruit of the Spirit. 
So your job is, my job is, you can't do any of God's stuff. Leave it up to God. <laughs> he's given you one thing. He's given you the message. And he's saying, put the message in your heart. Put it in deep. Amen? Put it in deep so that the message itself can cause you to believe if you believe, you enter into all those beautiful things that God has for us. Yeah. Amen? 100%. Don't compromise on the message. Don't compromise on reading the Bible. Don't compromise. You must remember your soul, okay? Your soul will go. I mean, have you ever had something like really, really big on your heart and you want to just, you know, share it in a conversation? All the time. Remember. All the time. <laughs> So imagine I bring something to Bash now. I go sit down. We're having a bride's house or whatever. And I really, because I've had this thing. I've been pondering on it. I've been thinking about it. I've been experiencing it. Now I just want to share it. And as I'm about to share it, Bash comes up with a totally different thing in the conversation. And he wants to talk about football. Guess, what, guess what's going to happen? My soul's going to go to whatever the conversation. That's how easily my soul can change. Instead of me talking about this thing that I want to talk about, now we're going to end up talking about football for the next hour. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> She's pointing at her husband. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you with me? I mean, that's, that's how weak your soul actually is. Your soul is connected to this place. It's the part of your heart that's connected to this thing. It's the part of your heart that's experiencing this place. Amen? So the only thing that you can anchor the soul with and give it the consistency and give it that, 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 that depth and power is by sticking to the message. Putting the message into your soul every single day. 100%. You have to do that. You your feelings are too fickle. Yeah. You know? Sure. And, and the message becomes our uh, confidence. You know? Like, you, you know, you're talking about spirit, soul, body now. Like, let's take those... Uh, last week and the week before we were talking about the stress and the negative emotions, the trauma, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's only the message that anchors that. You, you know what I'm saying? Because if we try and process our lives through those things, we are going to end up dead. It's just how it is. We will remain under the curse, like I explained last week. Are you with me? The message, this gospel becomes the only confidence that we have to uh, um, to interact with God, to experience Him, to have boldness before Him. Are you with me? It's the only confidence that we have that in the midst of trauma and stress and strong emotion, we're going through. Are you guys with me? It's the only confidence that we have that, listen, even if I'm doing badly, I'm still valuable. Even if I'm doing badly, I'm still righteous. Are you with me? Even if I'm doing badly, I'm still one with God. Amen? There's nothing else that gives us that confidence. So when we talk about the spirit, soul, and body, you know, uh, we, we went into this on discipleship school where we said, listen, the new creation that we are in Christ hasn't existed before because you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, but you carry a fallen nature and you live in a body. It's so weird. It's literally new, <laughs> right? But the truth is, is that managing these things can only be done through the message, and that is what? You have been made righteous by faith in Christ. And that is the consistency you need to commit to. Amen? Regardless, go up, go down. You know, something happens, whatever's happening in the world, you need to unequivocally hold to the fact that God is who he says he is, and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Jesus is the resurrected son of God. He paid for my sins, and I am now his righteous child. Are you guys with me? And I, want, I wanted to share with you this morning about a, like a journey we had about two years ago. It was more my journey, and everyone was like watching. <laughs> it was a bit rough. So you guys know uh, about three years ago, we had this little flu that was going around, right? You know, they shut down the whole world and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, um, my entire life, I've been really kind of healthy, you know, fit, healthy, you know, never really had any issues Probably maybe two years where I had a bit of a, I'll call it a pig out phase. <laughs> I just ate anything that came across, you know, it was weird. But I think I was eating from an emotional point of view because work was hectic. So I'm like, Let me just eat the sugar, you know, it's cool. So I put on some weight and stuff, but then I got healthy again and started playing tennis. I mean, you remember, I was, yes, I was fit, man. I could play a six-hour tournament, no stress, you know, it was great. And uh, this flu started going around, you know, and um, everyone at home got this flu. 
two, three days, they were fine. They were over it, you know, sort of thing. Then it was my turn. Woo. I tried to play skip a turn. It didn't work so well. Um, <laughs> and, and I got this flu, right? And I promise you, I think I was probably sick, what, 18 days maybe? Something like that. Yeah, it was, it was a long time, you know? Yeah, but, but I wasn't just sick. I didn't just have a sniffle, okay? I had a constant temperature, like 39, 40, right, for more than two weeks. I was losing consciousness. I think I lost, like, 16 kgs, 15 kgs. I uh, couldn't eat. I couldn't. It, it was crazy. Um, but that time we were all locked down, you know? So I think the most you and Tussle were doing was like, okay, you know, Bash is he's recovering, you know, he's all that stuff. And, and a lot of people didn't really get to see um, how hectic it was, okay? Um, I mean, when you came home that one day and you saw me, <laughs> Didi was like, hey. <laughs> you know? He was a bit conflicted. He's like, okay, how much pastoring must I do now? Like, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. And, um, and I've shared this story before. And, you know, people often think I'm overreacting, but you know what? You can think what you want, but I was in it. Um, and I promise you, I was, I was at the end. Right? I, I, he actually phoned me a few days before I had the experience when it was starting, we started realizing this is hectic. He phoned me and he said, hey, I'm like, what? He's like, I know what you're thinking about. I'm like, what am I thinking about? He's like, you're not going home, you know? Now, now we laugh, but, but that's literally how bad it was, guys. I had, I had no way out, I promise you. Um, Kale, Kale was there the one day, he was carrying me outside. They said, okay, get vitamin D, vitamin D, go outside. You know, I'm sitting outside and I'm walking in and he's busy carrying me, and as I'm walking, I just collapse. Wake up six hours later. You know, because my temperature's running so high, my body's literally cooking itself, right? It was, it was so hectic. Now, coupled with all the fear of hospitals, and you know, and this, and oh, GP jabs, and yes, it was, it was literally a perfect storm, right? And um, I told because it was a couple of months before Kale's wedding, right? Yeah, it was a month before his wedding, whatever, so. We're sitting outside in the sun the one day before I got really bad because there was a state where I was only awake one or two hours a day. It was, it was so bad, right? Sitting outside. He nearly clapped me. It was funny. I'm there. I'm coughing and I'm like, I can't even stay awake sitting in the sun. I'm like, listen, just here's the details. Just, you know, take the money, pay for the wedding. You know, it's fine. That's, that's whatever. And I'm like, I'm like literally doing a verbal will here because I can feel the life in my body is, guys, this is it, you know? And the one night I'm lying there, it's about two o'clock in the morning. And I can feel. Now, this, was, this is what's, where, where this managing this, you know, to the point we were talking about earlier about what does this look like? How do I make this real, right? And I'm sharing a very real testimony with you guys. Because at this point, we had been running the church eight years maybe? About eight years. You know, we're the voice of the gospel of grace on the East Rand, you know. Literally, everyone in the country even knows us. We even have pastors calling us the sons of grace, you know. Other ones were calling us sons of Satan, but anyway. <laughs> Um, and, I'm, and I'm lying in this bed, and um, it's about 2 o'clock in the morning. No one in the house is sleeping. Uh, even the maid the one day, she saw me. She came in. She, take, she goes into my room. She takes the Bible. She comes there. She's on her knees next to her. Oh, Jesu. And she's hitting the Bible on the couch and everything. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I like, I like gave, I gave a chuckle because, you know, I can appreciate her heart. She's like, No. <laughs> Hit him, Lord, we know who you are, you know, kind of thing. And I'm busy coughing and, like, literally dying, you know. And um, like I said, one night, um, I just started experiencing God's presence, you know. Don't worry, the story's not going where you think it is. I don't get miraculously healed. Hold on. <laughs> I started experiencing God's presence, and, and I'm lying there. I've been on fire for, I don't know, not even spiritually, physically because of the fever, right? I've been on fire for I don't know how long, and I'm literally at the end. You know, even my mental strain is like, it's there. It's tickets, you know. And that night, I have this experience, and I'm standing in front of a gold door. It's black around everywhere, but there's a gold door in front of me. And I'm looking at this gold. Now, listen, I'm not saying this is doctrine or gospel or anything. I'm sharing my experience, okay? Don't take any ideology or philosophy from this, okay? I'm just sharing my experience. And I'm standing in front of this golden door, and I hear God speak to me and he says, you can choose. And I promise you at that moment, I knew in my heart that if I stepped through this door, I was gonna be in eternity. At that moment, I knew it. And I was gonna do it. I'm like, Flip, if I can leave this body, why not? 
freaking hell, I've been sick for how long now? You know, sort of thing. That's and why I phoned you. <laughs> I said, I know exactly what you're thinking. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I promise you, and, and I, just turned, I just turned to the right, and, and I saw my mom's face. And she hadn't, she hadn't been sleeping now for I don't know how long, because obviously she's next to me day and night, you know, like, is my child okay? Like, what the heck, you know? I saw the bags under her eyes, I saw the tears on her face, and she was tired, and, and I look a bit further, and I see the rest of my family. I look a bit further, I see Deez and his family. I look a bit further, and I see the church. And I was like, Lord, I can't go now. This, is, this, this can't happen. What? No ways, you know? Then I start thinking, I'm like, we're talking against the pandemic. We're talking about all this thing. The pastor dies from the flu. What's going to happen? No ways. And all of a sudden, I'm like, no, Lord. And, and I turn from the door. I turn from it. And, and when I woke up the next day, I think that afternoon, you called me. Because he was, he, he was praying two, three days or whatever, you know. And that next morning, um, the Holy Spirit spoke to you. But it was after that night I had that experience, yeah. you know. After I had made the choice. No, I'm staying. That is it, you know. He calls me. Get ready. Actually, call my dad. Get him ready. We're going. I'm like, what? No, the Holy Spirit shows him we've got to go to this doctor. We've got to do this test. We need, you know, whatever. Anyway, we go through the whole thing. The funny story is, is that when we got to the doctor, Didi's like, he's, he's just come out of the prayer room. Right now, if you guys ever come out your prayer room, you're charged. I'm like, dudes, I nearly died. I'm, I'm trying to step out. He's like, Harris, leave him. We must walk. Come on, come on, walk. I'm like, Diddy, what are you saying, dude? I'm dying here, you know. He's like, use your faith. Yeah, walk. He's like, no, carry me. I was like, take your hands off me. Walk. <laughs> and he's looking at me like, you heartless. Yeah. Even your dad was feeling sorry for yeah. you. <laughs> My dad was like, wait, wait, let me help him. Let me help him. You know. I don't really expect that from my dad, but it's like, get up, you know, sort of thing. But he's like, fired up, you know. We go to the doctor, and you know, the doctor does the whole thing and do, does the proper tests. We get the meds. I think probably 10 days after that, I started, you know, getting back together. And uh, I started eating again. I started having consciousness, you know. And, and the one day I was sitting there, and I just broke down crying because I was like, flip. This was the next, I, I was one step away from death. I, I was going to be with Jesus. You know, falling asleep, as Paul calls it, you know. And I just broke down crying. I'm like, Lord, you literally saved my life. You know, it's like, you, I hear me, preachers say, you know, God saved my life and he can save your life. I'm like, you literally saved my living life. You know, my, my life life. Not my, my, my career life or, you know, my, like my life, you know. And... <laughs> And then Kenny comes in, and I'm busy crying there. You know that song that uh, Nothing But Good was playing? It says, I'm just bawling my eyes out because I'm just like, Jesus saved my physical life. You, you know what I'm saying? I'm busy crying. Kenny comes in. He's like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. The doctor said you're going to be fine. I'm like, relax, relax. I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude right now, you know? And listen, that's an amazing testimony, but this is, this is the part where it gets tough, Okay? Because having a church for eight years, being a preacher of grace, you know, all this stuff. The integrity in my own heart is, how the heck did this happen? How did, not, how did I not experience God's healing power in the most desperate time of my life? And let me tell you, I was having a tough time. Because now, I know through the word, right? Remember we were saying the word is the anchor. To the word, I know it's not God's fault. So I'm like, flip, it must be me then. But I don't know what it is in me. What the heck is going on? Now I've got to deal with this whole other stuff where people are well-meaning and they're compassionate, you know, they're all this stuff. But it's like, yeah, but you preach grace, eh? So, so what happened? You know, so, and I'm like, but some guy came to me, he's like, it's so strange that God would allow that. I'm like, but I'm going to clap you. Just get away from me, seriously, right? And, and I had to deal with all these things because the biggest thing that, that it affected was my confidence. Is that how do I get up here now and say God's a healer when I nearly died? Are you with me? And the only thing that can keep you there is the message. Because you see, regardless of my experience, he is who he says he is. So two years down the line, now I'm getting sick all the time. Flip, I think I got sick every three months. I couldn't, I'm just like, this is crazy. And, you, and I'm telling you, I haven't been sick in my life, guys. And I'm going, and I'm going, and I'm going, and it's one sickness after the next. It's nose, it's this. I had this recurring lung pain, and oh, man, I was just about ready to ask for that glorified body, I promise you. 
I'm like, where's the twinkle? Come, now it's time, you know? And eventually I said, that is it. I am done. I'm like, God, if you're true, this is it. I'm not making, I'm done with dealing with this. So I start this journey, right? So what do I do? I go to every healing story in the Bible. And I'm going. I'm like, yeah, it is it. I even bought a new notebook. You guys know that? When you want to study something new, you buy a new notebook, you know? Unfortunately, you're only going to use like five pages in the beginning, but it's fine. This is a new notebook. That's the healing book. And I'm going, I'm going, and the colors and everything, and I'm sitting, and I'm researching Greek, Hebrew, lekka, lekka, lekka. Put it all together, and you know what? I get to nothing new that I didn't know before. So, being the level-headed person I am, I'm like, let's do it again. Second time, I get to nothing new. So I close the Bible. I'm like, I'm done. God, you're good. I'm dying. It's fine. Let's go. All right? No, you guys are laughing, but I'm being open with you because people think that pastors aren't human. Listen, let me tell you, okay? So anyway, we're going, going, going. I'm driving. <laughs> One day I'm driving. The Holy Spirit's like, uh, you missed something. I'm like, really? Wait, 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 because I'm like, this is the answer. And, and I start, hey, yeah, maybe the off-ramp, you know? <laughs> um, and I start seeing... Not one of, this was afterwards, after he said you missed something. You know, I started meditating on that. What did I miss? What did I miss? Start opening my heart. And I start seeing images of these healing moments that Jesus has, like the Gospels tell us, you know. And I'm like, yeah, wow, this is cool. This is amazing. And he says this to me. He says, you're not Jesus in the story. I literally, I, I literally did this. I was at my desk. I, I did this. I was like. Because something that is seemingly apparent, he had to tell me, you're not Jesus in the story. I'm like, wait, Lord, what does this mean? What are you talking about? And he starts unpacking this thing that we've been talking about the last two weeks about weakness and about how we think we have strength, how we think, you know, we can fight things, how we think we can have confidence. And he says, you're not Jesus in the story. You're the one being healed. Oh, my gosh, guys. Flip my lid. I was gone. For two weeks, I was just like, no, 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 hold on. I need, I need to rethink this. I need to see how this is going, right? Are you guys okay? Can I have a few? Yeah. And, and I start on this journey, and I'm like, okay, what is going on here now? And I'm dealing with, with sickness because, with health, you know, because this has been the area for me the last couple of years where I have struggled to see that God is real. I kid you not, in every other area of my life, God's real. I don't need further persuading, I promise you. You don't need to give me more theology, more doctrine, nothing. But this has been the area that has been a real stumbling block for me, right? So I go on this journey, and all of a sudden, I get sick again. I'm like, I can't do it, Jesus. <laughs> so I said, okay, I know he's leading me onto something. He's not making me sick, right? But I know he's leading me on. So now I start opening my heart while I'm sick. I'm not getting frustrated that I'm sick. I'm not questioning all these things. And I start, I start seeing these checklists that I start going through now that I'm feeling sick. And you know what I start doing? I start building a wrong evidence. Ah, oh, it's because I didn't take my minerals. Damn it. It's because I didn't sleep enough. Ah, oh, it's because I don't have enough faith. And I don't have all these things. And right there in that moment, he showed me, where's my grace? And I was like, What? So I start. I was like in the middle there because like we, like we explained to you this morning, the only confidence you have is the word. So what did I do? I said, okay, this bloody thing is here, Lord. But you know what? Right now it's here. But right now I receive your grace. I even said, like, Lord, I don't have a problem that it's here. I'm not going to change the way I feel about myself. I'm going to change the way I feel about you. I'm going to change who I am in you. Right now this thing is here and right now your grace is sufficient. I didn't get healed. Anyway. But I'm doing this every day now because I've realized that the weakness that I'm carrying is that I have confidence in myself. I have confidence in my immune system. I have confidence in my minerals and my diet and my sport. Right? If my immune system was good enough, I wouldn't have got sick in the first place. Right? So what do I do every single day? Now I'm starting to take out all of these things. Day by day by day, I'm taking this. I'm like, Lord, you know what? I place no confidence in any of this. If I have a fear, I receive your grace now. I have to wholeheartedly 
take your hand and say, you are my healer. And every day, after day, after day. Months go by. Beginning of this year, I got sick again. It just doesn't leave me, man. Flop. Anyway, I got sick. That was, what, probably three or four days or something. But this time now when I got sick, you know what happened? I was like, oh, God's good. It's cool. I'm going through. I went through. Do you know, in the month of July and now August, guess how many times I've been sick? Six. Six times. But you never saw me sick once, right? Do you know I was sick six times these last two months, but for five minutes? I would be sitting at my desk, and I feel. Now, those of you who are very conscious of your bodies, you know immediately when something. Sitting there, next minute. And you know what I did? It's been a year and a half of persuading my heart. You know what I did in that moment? I was like, this thing can be here. It's cool. And right in that moment, I opened my heart. I said, God, this thing can be here. And I know I can't fight this thing. If I could fight it, I wouldn't have got it. If I could have, I would have. And I sit there. And I promise you, I'd experience his presence. And that thing would just go. I've had chest infections, I've had nasal issues, I've had migraines and headaches and all this stuff. And I promise you right there in that moment, if I receive, not if I fight, if I receive, boom, just like that. And I get up and walk and I'm like, what? Most recently this last week, I think it was Thursday? No, Tuesday, Tuesday. Yes, yeah, I could feel it, it was here. Because everyone's getting the sniffle, cough, scratch thing, you know? You know, and, uh, and then I feel it. You know, when you feel your, your esophagus go like this. I don't know, it's a weird thing. Anyway, I sit there. And, and again, I get upset because I'm like, we have a soul. You know, we've got a trajectory that we're used to. But what do I have to do? I have to hold to the word. And I say, right, Lord, this thing's here. I'm not even upset that it's here. I'm peaceful that Jesus is here. And right there in that moment, I sat there. And I was like, Lord, this thing's here. I don't need to fight this. I trust you. I see your hand in my body right now because in spirit, I'm whole. I'm healed. This thing's catching up. Are you with me? And I promise you, I went to bed, woke up next morning, I went to play tennis. It was great. Praise the Lord. Now, here's the thing, church. Here's the thing. This is where each one of us need to put in the work. Because you see, we've got no issue believing Jesus for eternity. But every day we'll suffer along and believe he's got a plan as to why we're suffering. Not true. Don't you dare believe that lie. The experience that you are having is your limitation. If you would do what the word says, you would experience what his grace can provide. And you know what? It may, you may experience it immediately if, you, if your heart is persuaded. But if your heart's not persuaded, it's going to take time. But you know what? You have the word to anchor you. You have the word to take you there. Just like that same word brought Jesus out of the grave, out of death itself. It's the same word that's going to carry you through. But this is your good fight of faith that you need to do every day. You know what the worst part about being a child of God is? You don't get to have an excuse. You get to have a choice. If you're experiencing death in your life, it's not your excuse. It's not some reason why. It's your choice because you didn't receive his grace. Every head bowed, every eye closed. While your eyes are closed, I just want to remind you of this. You've probably been to churches where you've been taught that you know, your faith is, is, a, is a, um, it's a, it's a law that God puts on you. It's not. It's a choice for you to enjoy. He won't love you any less. He won't love you any more. But if you convince your heart for each promise, like Bash has had to do for, for healing, you get the privilege of experiencing what he has already given us. You know, it's not a, it's not an order. It's not a, it's not a, 
commandment. You better have faith. God's not saying it like that. God is saying, I've given you everything. You choose to use your faith to enjoy it or not, to experience it or not. Faith is a privilege. It's not a commandment. Thank you, Jesus. Enjoy your faith. Amen? Stay faithful to the message and go and seek out like a king seeks out wisdom from from the Lord. Go and seek it out. Each and everything that you need, it's all in the message. It's all there. It's all been done. The day you got saved was the day you got healed. It's what your salvation means. It means you were healed, you were delivered, you were set free, made prosperous, made whole, all in one moment when the Holy Spirit came into your heart. Now stay faithful to the message to go and experience all of those things. Amen? Don't compromise on the message for your own soul's sake, for your own body's sake, for your own life's sake, for your own family's sake. Do not compromise on the message. Do the work. Be diligent. Be a doer of the word. And come to that place where you believe. Amen? Amen. Give him a big shout of praise.